With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to this special edition of the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. The Green... So you want your charity to succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern-day fundraising success. And practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome here to The Nonprofit Coach. This is Tuesday, April 17th, and I'm coming to you live from the national headquarters of the Charities Aid Foundation of America. As always, here on The Nonprofit Coach, we start with page one news. here on page one news just a reminder uh, when we get to page two for our page two expert today as the announcer uh, mentioned you can call in to 347-324-3080 you can also join me over in the chat room or you can send email questions to Ted Hart at tedhart.com over in the radio links at tedhart.com you can follow along you'll find today uh, the release of the P2P event fundraising benchmark report from Convio. Uh, now, they nearly got their title right because they're calling it peer-to-peer fundraising event, uh, peer-to-peer event fundraising benchmark study, and we know P2P fundraising in the nonprofit sector means people to people. In this study, you will learn which types of events are ideal for your organization, performance by event type, tips for boosting participation and donations, uh, and much, much more. Check that out over in the radio links today. Uh, good news from Peer-to-Peer Event Fundraising Benchmark Study. Uh, next up here on the Nonprofit Coach, you'll find over in the radio links uh, a link to a wonderful new conference that's being put together uh, by the good folks at the Association of Fundraising Professionals. One of our dear friends is the new president and CEO. He joins us here, Andrew Watt. What's going on in Orlando in June? Hey, Ted. Well, it's great to be with you again. Um, Orlando in June, I think, is a unique experience. It's an immersion, a two-day immersion in everything that you might want to know, find out, test in relation to the use of social media and technology and fundraising. This is a really exciting opportunity, and thank you for inviting me uh, to be one of the uh, presenters at this uh, the Techno Conference. Uh, now, this is a new endeavor for AFP. Uh, why move in this direction, and, and why such a unique schedule? It is because we felt very strongly that there are a lot of opportunities to learn about and interface with um, technology for nonprofits, but that there was nothing out there either here in North America or globally that really allows fundraisers to immerse themselves with a range of vendors, a range of their peers, to really work out what works for them. 
So we felt that we needed to take that plunge. We felt that we needed to provide that forum. And Orlando in June um, is the opportunity that we've got to do that. That's terrific. Well, specifically, that's June 4 and 5 in Orlando. Over in the radio links today, we provide a direct link to the Techno Conference uh, website where people can learn all about this. I think this is a terrific opportunity and encourage all of my listeners to try to make it to Orlando. Uh, what I find, Andrew, is that when people go to big uh, conferences like the terrific conference you folks just had out in Vancouver, there are so many topics and so many things that are covered that oftentimes you either don't get to the things that you want to or you just don't know what to pick. This kind of, of conference that really gives uh, specific topics related to technology, I think really can help people choose the right topics for them. I, I, I agree, and I think it also gives you an opportunity to listen to some stellar general session speakers. We've got Steve Wozniak, who is the Apple co-founder with Steve Jobs. We've got Carlos Dominguez of Cisco coming to speak as well. I mean, this is, this is on top of 40 separate vendors coming in prepared to workshop and compare systems, compare, um, compare products, and how they actually work for you. So it's two days of very intense, very concentrated experience, both from the top level with Steve Wozniak and, Steve and Carlos Dominguez, and then it's the hands-on experience with your fundraising colleagues and with the people supplying you with the products to really understand what will work for you. That's terrific. Andrew Watt, President and CEO of AFP, another innovative uh, approach to nonprofit learning coming from AFP. Uh, bravo. I look forward to uh, seeing you in Orlando, and I hope a lot of my listeners will be there with us. That's great. Thanks, Ted. Take care. Uh, next up here on the Nonprofit Coach, you'll find over in the radio links uh, coming to us, uh, from the N10 Group and MNR, you'll find the very important 2012 e nonprofit benchmark study. This is an extremely important study that you do want to make sure that you have if you are interested at all. Uh, this is, I think, a must read uh, before you go uh, to the Techno Conference uh, in Orlando, have all the uh, data and statistics available for you. We've got a link for you. Uh, directly to the 2012 e-nonprofit benchmark study. Uh, you'll be able to download that today over in the radio links available at TedHeart at TedHeart.com. Uh, now, you know over on, uh, on uh, April uh, 10th, we had a wonderful speaker uh, who came and gave us a lot of details about Earth Day. I've invited um, him back, Franklin Russell, is here with us because, of course, we're right around the corner uh, from Earth Day itself, uh, and this is uh, uh, the beginning of a whole week worth of, of activities. Franklin Russell, Executive Director of Earth Day, is here with us again here on the Nonprofit Coach. How are you? Hi, Ted. Good. How are you? Good, good. Um, just to remind us, uh, big activities coming up in Washington, D.C. That's uh, where you're going to be, and it's a centerpiece of many of your efforts. Tell us what that's going to be all about. Sure. So first off, Earth Day is this coming Sunday, April 22nd. About a billion people coming together in 190 countries to engage in some kind of activity. The theme this year is Mobilize the Earth. We're calling on people everywhere to let their leaders, let their communities know how important the environment is to them and to ask for sustainability in policy and for discussions about our future. It's all happening on this coming Sunday, and we're having our flagship Earth Day event on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. The event is going to feature celebrities, musicians, talent, musical talent, exhibits, interactive exhibits. It's probably going to have 100,000 people show up. It will take place from 9th through 14th Street on the National Mall. It will run from about 12 noon to 7 p.m. It will feature the likes of Cheap Trick, the Explorers Club, Pushing Daisies, amongst many other bands and speakers. The EPA administrator will be out there to speak, as well as Jesse, Reverend Jesse Jackson and many more. So it should be a really great event. We're asking folks around the world, individuals and organizations, to, to come if possible. If not, to then find an Earth Day event in their area by going to earthday.org, finding an event, and pledging an act of green as part of an Earth Day resolution. So chances, chances are, for uh, most of our listeners, 
there is an Earth Day celebration that's going to be nearby, even if they can't be in Washington, D.C. That's correct. There are thousands of Earth Day events taking place around the world in, as I said, about 190 countries. So if you're interested in getting involved in Earth Day and finding an activity near you, come to earthday.org, and you'll be able to find an event in your area, and hopefully you can take part this Sunday. That's perfect. So uh, the Earth Day uh, kickoff uh, sounds like it's both informative and fun. Absolutely. It's, That's it's, great. Terrific. What, uh, what more should uh, folks know as uh, this is a Tuesday before Earth Day um, in preparation for Sunday? Well, the fact that people everywhere on Sunday are going to be coming out for Earth Day, so just make sense that, make sure now that you go online, do a little research, find out what's happening in your community, find out how you can get involved, and hopefully you can pledge an act of green as an Earth Day resolution, and together we can let our leaders know that it's important that environmental issues are addressed now and that we secure our, our, our future. And folks that are out there um, who may be uh, able to uh, tweet and share what they're, uh, what they're doing, uh, hashtag or uh, Twitter sign, uh, what, what should they include uh, so they can be part of it? Absolutely. So the hashtags we're using are Earth Day and Mobilize the Earth, one word. Those are the two hashtags. Yeah, give that uh, give that to us again. So hashtag Earth Day, and the other hashtag is Mobilize the Earth, one word. Mobilize the Earth and Earth Day. Uh, wonderful. Franklin Russell, Executive Director of uh, Earth Day. Over in the radio links, you'll find a direct link to earthday.org uh, included in there. Remember, you can use that not only to uh, pledge uh, your activities to do what's best for the Earth, but also to find Earth Day celebrations for Sunday, April 22nd, uh, at a location near you. Franklin, thank you for joining us again, and have a wonderful Earth Day. Thanks, Ted. Same to you. Next up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach uh, is uh, uh, for you. Uh, we, are taught, we want to uh, share with you, uh, coming to us from social media today, how to use LinkedIn powerfully, 10 tips to know. Uh, you'll find uh, in uh, these tips, uh, are helping you understand all the various aspects of uh, LinkedIn and how you can use them uh, to your benefit, including LinkedIn applications, which are fairly new, and how you can incorporate those into your overall LinkedIn strategy. And you know, while you're over at LinkedIn, you'll also find in the radio links uh, today uh, a reminder of the people-to-people -people fundraising uh, LinkedIn group. Now, we already have... 1,694 members of that group. We're fast approaching 1,700. See if you might be number 1,700 as part of that group, uh, fast growing every single week. Uh, you can join, of course, for free uh, right at LinkedIn.com. You can also follow the direct link to the page uh, by following the radio links today at Ted Hart. Uh, com. Uh, next up here on uh, the nonprofit coach uh, is moving right over to page two. Now, our page two expert today is Ken Berger. Ken is president and chief executive officer of Charity Navigator, having joined them in 2008 after almost 30 years' experience working in the nonprofit sector. He has held leadership positions at a variety of human service and healthcare agencies, both large and small, and has operated programs serving the homeless, the developmentally disabled, the mentally ill, substance abusers, medically underserved, and those in need. This is a man who really knows nonprofits inside and out. Uh, welcome here to the nonprofit coach, Ken Berger. Thanks. Now, Ken, we want to talk all about Charity Navigator, but I'm, I'm going to just take a second here. I'm going to play a little bit of an audio clip, and uh, when we come back from the audio clip, uh, you can tell us why you think I might have played this little song.
thinking of us as 10 years back. Well, and I, I think that was the, the, the direction I was going with my question is that uh, original standard has changed uh, yes. in that, that you have uh, moved in some different directions, taken different data sets, and you're now evaluating charities in a different way. Yes. Um, so how, how has that morphed over time? Well, I mean, one thing I can say specifically around the, the, the fi- what we now call the financial dimension, um, which is our historical, what you might call CN 1.0, um, we have evolved uh, to some degree on that standard. Um, we, are, um, mod- we modify the metrics according to cause area. So, for example, some cause areas have more expensive overhead because of the nature of the, the, the costs associated with things like advertising, let's say, for public radio and, and, and food pantries having some different metrics. So, so we've made modifications in that regard to the financial metrics. But more substantially, the biggest change that we've made, which occurred really last year, and we've been working on this for a number of years, was to add uh, a second dimension, and we call it CN 2.0. And it considers what we call accountability and transparency – uh, more precisely, it looks at questions of the governance practices, other best practices that the charity may or may not follow, as well as for the first time going beyond the data that we get from the IRS, and now 10 years or nine years later at that time, uh, looking at the websites of charities. And uh, because now uh, websites for charities, at least of a certain size, have become uh, the norm to say the least. We're now beginning to look there for information on transparency. In other words, you know, how open is the charity with all of its stakeholders with information about itself? Uh, how, how forthcoming is, is an organization in that regard? And so those are the, those are the new elements, and, um, and these new elements are all folded up into the same original rating system, which is a zero- to four-star rating system. So all of these elements are now weighted the the financial and the accountability transparency are weighted uh, all into that rating system and and roughly speaking it's now 50% the scores are 50% based on finance roughly and 50% based on what we call accountability and transparency and then there are plans to continue to evolve the rating system uh, going forward well and of course over that period of time uh, the IRS 990 has also changed. Uh, to to what extent is the, the new data and the new emphasis of the 990 reflected in this change uh, for Charity Navigator? It, it's been critically important. You know, historic, uh, first time in like 30 years that the IRS made changes, and this was largely at the impetus of uh, the nonprofit sector experts, particularly uh we put we tip our hat to the independent sector and and the many members uh, among others that advocated for basically advocated for the IRS to go beyond its primary focus on finances and look at these other areas of governance and best practice so of the um, of the 17 new metrics that we've added uh 12 of them come directly from the 990 form, thanks to the modifications the IRS made starting with the 2008 filings. And again, all of these things flow out of um, the work of groups like the independent sector. So there's a, there's a freely available resource called Principles of Good Governance and Ethical Practices, which anyone can pull right off the Internet, which has a number of these standards and others that they recommend based on years of research and millions of dollars invested with lots of input from charities around the country on standards that all charities should really try to follow at minimum. And so what, how many charities are actually rated? Because, uh, you know, there, there are uh, you know, roughly 1.4, 1.5 million uh, charities in the United States. You're not rating that many. Yeah, they're, they're at, at, according to the IRS, and you know, with the recent uh, reduction that occurred, reduction, when, right? Yeah, there there are 1.1 million 501c3 uh, c3s, non-profit. and then there are other yeah, charities yeah. as well. But yeah, right, right. With and the, within with the that number of charities that that were removed for from the rolls for failure yeah. to uh, comply right. with reporting, right. uh, it's now 1.1 if yeah. uh, 
um, but you're not rating 1.1. No, indeed we are not, and, and okay. I don't anticipate that we ever will. Um, uh, currently, we evaluate 5,500 charities, and one of the things that I did not know before I came to Charity Navigator with my 30-some-odd years is uh, the landscape of the sector is uh, what you would call a long tail and, and a very concentrated 1% or so. It's, uh, it's the occupied charity uh, reality that... 1% of the charities in this country uh, garner uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 65% of, of all the revenues that come in. And if you tease that out to the top 5% of charities, it's virtually 95% of all the money goes to this. So, so say that again. So, so the top 1% uh, or roughly 11,000 charities uh, in the United States account for 60 what percent? About 65%. Again, these are rough numbers. Yeah, rough, rough numbers. But but it's still, even if it's not a precise number, it's still a huge number and a huge disparity. Um, if you you know are looking at you know 35% of the the rest of the money going to 99% of the rest of the 1.1 million charities. Yeah, and in fact, if you tease it out, you know, think about it. Uh, something in the order of 95% of the charities get only about 6% of the money when you look at it the other way. So it's really uh, it's really a concentrated uh, sector. And, and, and we see that around the world, by the way, that this is not a unique to the United States, um, that there really is this concentration amongst a very small class of charities. So part of, the, so part of looking at the statistic of so Charity Navigator evaluates 5,500 out of 1.1 million, well, the data that we have shows that fully half, 50% of all the money that is given through private contributions goes to those 5,500 charities that we evaluate. I mean, we're excluding houses of worship here, but it's, it's over $100 billion out of the $300 billion, again, taking out the religious, it's really $200 billion. So it's half of all the money uh, that's going to to public charities, and and we do concentrate on the bigger ones. You, our criteria includes uh, over a million, but clearly the vast majority of them are over ten million, because uh, that's that that top tier. So so you're you're so you are actually uh, rating a very large percentage of the the, the top charities that are re- actually receiving money. Yeah, of where the money goes. Yeah, so we're following the money. Right, following my, which is which is which is not a bad thing, particularly for donors to have access uh, to that. Do do donors find that surprising, or how much do you help people understand the concentration of fundraising in the United States? I think people are blown away by it. They they have no idea uh, about that. Typically, uh, when we present before audiences, it's a it's an eye opener for many donors. I think that the the American public um, still uh, a substantial portion of the American public harkens back to prior to the 1960s when they you know the voluntary efforts and the the small which was the you know goes back to our our founding was was the template and the notion that there's now this concentration um is is a, remains a surprise to many. Yeah. And and when you think of it a lot of the 1.1 million are are really you know very small sewing circles uh softball leagues uh little uh, little leagues um so those are not organizations that are that are even looking for large money and and small amounts Go a long way. So there's a there's a big disparity between those organizations that are receiving million dollar gifts um, and running large institutions, um, but kind of belies the need for charity deeper into the sector. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, another just a quick last statistic on this. I think about half of the charities in this country are under twenty five thousand in annual revenue, and of course they are not even required to do anything uh, a filing of of nine ninety beyond just sort of a, a of basic information that you're still out there. 
uh, and so every three years. So, so uh, you're absolutely correct that uh, you know those efforts are, are of a whole different type and magnitude. And our advice to people who want information on those kind of organizations is the best thing to do is your eyeballs is to get up close and personal with them because that's the only way you're really going to get to know an organization of that size. There's not going to be this kind of uh, data available on the web for the vast majority of those kind of charities. Right, and and so learning how to do that uh, is an important uh, uh, way for donors to learn how to protect themselves. Uh, we're going to learn when we come back uh, from a short break uh, from you, uh, uh, Ken, uh, what are some of the tips that you have for folks uh, to remain safe and what they what they should be looking for and expecting from the charities that they give to. And we'll be right back after this break. Just a couple of program notes. Uh, there is not a show, a live show here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, next week, April 24th. Um, I will actually uh, be lecturing uh, in London. Uh, you can get all the details, and if you happen to be listening from London, please join me uh, at the Charities Aid Foundation at CAF UK. You'll be able to find that online at CAFONLINE.org. Click on Events, and you'll be able to register. This is a complimentary training provided by CAF UK to the nonprofit sector, so please find all the information and register right there online. We come right straight back here on the Nonprofit Coach on May 1. Uh, Norm Olshansky will be here with his brand-new book, You and Your Nonprofit, so you want to make sure that uh, you've got that on your calendar. And then an absolute favorite uh, here on the Nonprofit Coach, actually one of the top ten most popular guests uh, that we have uh, ever had here on the Nonprofit Coach, Pat Pasquale over at the Foundation Center talking about grant writing and how you can succeed for your organization is my guest once again here on the Nonprofit Coach on May 8th. So that's some programming notes. Uh, and uh, with a little bit of a reminder here, uh, we're going to head right back to the show. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. We're back here live with uh, Ken Berger, who is the president and CEO of Charity Navigator. Uh, In addition to celebrating the 10th anniversary of Charity Navigator's work, uh, we're also learning how donors can protect themselves. Uh, over on your website, uh, Ken, and I'm not going to expect you to uh, uh, read this uh, back or know it off the top of your head, but you do provide the top ten best practices uh, for savvy donors. Um, and looking down through that list, I'm just wondering, since our audience today are nonprofit executives who are looking to do a very good job for their donors, how does a, a list like that get translated for charities to do an even better job? Well, I think um, one of the things we feel really strongly about is the whole world of telemarketing. And we've seen uh, a real f- uh, a c- concern amongst many donors when they get phone calls from people who um, are you know, representing a charity but through a telemarketing firm and or uh, you know, appearing to be from the charity – and uh and the the efficiency question of those kind of efforts um are often problematic and we think that you know charities may make a, a rational choice in saying well this is sort of found money uh and and I don't you know I can sort of outsource this function but we think that when donors uh realize what the cost benefit uh often is the case for those kind of um firms they get really angry and uh, we really discourage people from donating that way. Um, in fact, we tell them to hang up the phone and you know contact the charity directly, or in some cases they would argue, why would I give to a charity that appears to be that efficient? I would rather give to a charity that, um, that does not use a, a third party that can have markups as much as 95 cents on the dollar. So that's one big takeaway. Right. 
Well, you know, and, and that's always such a, a, a difficult question for a charity that does not have the expertise, does not have the infrastructure to be able to do uh, telephone outreach. Um, how, how do you balance uh, the need for technology, the need for expertise, and at the same time the power of telephone net, net, uh, outreach? Yeah, well, I, I do think uh, that there, you know, efforts to um, – to, to pool resources amongst smaller charities uh, where they can hire somebody, um, where they could have substantial savings, but at the same time uh, not have these extremely high market markups would be the optimal choice. If it's do you know of any firm that uh, would do that for a charity? I don't know of any firm that uh, several charities will, will band together and have any sort of savings. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying a firm. I'm saying that one way that an organization could address that challenge would be to 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 proactively join with other agencies. But when it comes to the really small charities, I don't. You know, I think that there is a. I I totally agree that part of the the decision is being made because they don't have the expertise and they don't have the internal uh, capacity. But at the same time. Uh, you know, it, there is a there is a sort of a, an issue of the economies of scale where, uh, w again, when donors realize that there is this kind of a markup, they have a real problem with it, as do we. And so, whether it's that you you know you have to get a cadre of volunteers, whether it's that you um, really aggressively negotiate for a very low, much lower percentage, because a lot of times it just seems that people sign up for these things. Uh, without really aggressively trying to negotiate, and you know the market well, I think it can be done badly. I, I really do, and I, and I think yeah. uh, any advice that your organization can provide in terms of norms and what to expect. My my concern, I, I, and I welcome your your reflection on this. My concern on that particular topic is, you know, I hate to see, you know, the the message being if you're big and wealthy enough, you can have access to telephone uh, marketing, uh, but if you're small. The, the relative cost, that kind of technology is just not available to you. Um, yeah. and, and as much as I'm a huge fan of volunteer phone banks, um, I've never seen one produce the, the, the same consistency uh, or, quite honestly, the professionalism of the, the, uh, uh, the call and the consistency of the call uh, as, as paid callers. So I, mm -hmm. I think there's a role for both. I think uh, there's a smart strategy. Uh, of using both volunteer and paid that can lower the overall cost. So I think there's a lot of strategies that can be shared with nonprofits that would lower the overall cost. And I agree with you, um, you know, unknowing charities can be caught in very bad, unscrupulous uh, contracts for, uh, for telephone outreach. I just hate to think that the nonprofit sector would force itself into a position that says, only if you're big can you do these things, and if you're small, you just don't have access. Well, I, all I can tell you is I, I understand the argument that, that, that you're making there, but we have seen so much abuse in this regard that it's pretty, it's pretty toxic. And, and if, unfortunately, scale is going to be one of the things that's a determinant, um, it may be unfortunate, but the, the abuses are so rampant that uh, it may not be a viable option for some of the smaller agencies from, from what we're seeing. I think part of the abuse generally comes in uh, a charity um, allowing itself to fall into a commission-based uh, situation uh, right. where they, you know, they, they say, well, 10% of, of something is better than nothing. Uh, right, and it's right. just simply not. Yeah, right. Um, no, I totally, and that's I, exactly right. And I think right. that's where setting some norms and helping charities understand what's a reasonable expectation could save them from getting involved with something like that in the first place, uh, but, but doesn't necessarily remove them from looking for good uh, you know, providers uh, by knowing the right questions to ask. Yeah, but, you know, that, that's precisely part of the problem right there, which is, yeah, in theory, it's the, the notion that scale shouldn't be a determinant here. It makes sense in theory, but in practice, most of these smaller agencies, as we've said, are made up of volunteers. They don't have the technical expertise, so the likelihood that they're going to be able to make a savvy decision on how they're going to negotiate with these telemarketers is slim to nil. And, you know, part of, you know the, the reality for us is, I mean, 
we're not going to be the ones that are going to uh, try to create that tool for them. I think it would be great for uh, someone to do it, but our primary focus here needs to be on helping the donor um, uh, to, to, to make a savvy decision. Our advice to the charities, especially the smaller ones, is it's probably better for you to avoid it if you don't have real expertise or savvy or if you don't have some third party like Ted to, to help you to uh, – <laughs> Make well, the, you know, those so decisions, what right? are some of the other red flags for you? Um, well, you know, there's there's real basic stuff. Um, you know, we find that there are sound-alike name charities that are out there that are ripping off people by, you know, getting real close uh, to uh, to the name of a charity that's well-known. And so I think the takeaway for your, your listeners is, to really keep their eyes out for that, to be cognizant that there may be some people that are trying to rip off their donors, and you may need to educate your donors to um, agencies that are like that, uh, that are trying to draw people away. Uh, we also you know, think that there's a real uh, lot of interest on donors' parts when it comes to executive compensation. If I was to point to the one thing that uh, gets our, our users more charged up and more angry than almost anything else, it's, it's uh, CEO compensation that seems out of whack. Um, our position is, is somewhere sort of standing in between uh, the views of some of our users and the views of some people in the nonprofit sector because our position is there are best practices that need to be used to set CEO compensation. And, you know, the, 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 the first and foremost, especially for the kind of charities that we're looking at, is to have a third-party uh, survey that's done that looks at the market, that looks at the critical variables of your, uh, your geographic area, the size of the agency, the cause area, the, the background experience of the CEO, that, that there really is an objective process uh, for setting CEO salaries rather than, you know, sort of a bunch of rich people that are on the board that uh, are used to people having six- and seven-figure salaries and, and set the salary without any kind of benchmarking against what are the norms within the industry. Right. And there are a lot more uh, benchmarks out there. There are a lot more surveys that are being done. So uh, it, it's not without data being available to those who want to find it. Yes. There is, on, on the other hand, I will say – that there is a there is a there is a chink in the armor of even doing that. We have seen in certain sectors, such as uh, the sector of hospitals, and uh, uh, recently in New York, we saw a whole controversy around the sector of the developmental disability agencies, where the norm, where if you do the market search, you're going to find that we're all they're all millionaires. And sometimes what can happen is that there's a if not explicit and implicit sort of marching of the salaries to the absurd level that becomes excessive and even with a market study uh you're going to you're you're not going to have what we would uh what a normal common sense person would determine as a reasonable salary uh for it you know so like in the developmental disability a uh, agencies in New York if you if you contrasted them with virtually any other part of the country they're they're out of whack so it it really needs to be done with real thought and care and not buying into um some these kind of extreme irregularities but most of the time those kind of surveys um do the trick uh, and uh, Ken, I believe we uh, do have a uh, caller with a question. Uh, go ahead, caller. You're live here on the Nonprofit Coach. Am I the only caller? Uh, you are the caller. You're here I live am, with uh, Ken Burr and Ken Hart here on the Nonprofit Coach. Go ahead, your name and where you're from. Yeah, my name is Mark. I'm from Albany. Okay. And what's your I'm, question, Mark? Uh, very simple. Uh, most people, when they give, uh, it's and I'm, I'm talking about the, the vast vast number of people out there, uh, not the the wealthy who have uh, large numbers to give, most people, talking Joe Sixpack, they give on an emotional basis. Very often uh, it's because a, a friend comes up to them and asks them, uh, uh, gee, I'm collecting for this, or I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to run a race, I'm looking for sponsors. In those uh, situations, do you think it's uh, worth risking the friendship, so to speak, to say, well, wait a minute, I'm going to check out the uh, the organization first. I mean, what is your advice to people who get these kinds of uh, 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 appeals 
from from friends or relatives. It even comes down to honestly, you go into a lot of stores. You know, they have you know, there's always a jar. They're collecting for this. They're collecting for that. What yes. is your advice to people on that? Uh, Okay. Well, that that's 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 a great question. Uh thanks for that. Um and I've actually had that situation happen to me where a friend uh had asked me to contribute to a particular organization and when I went and checked it out it turns out that the organization wasn't even a 501c3. So, I'm familiar with the problem. Um you know, the reality is that just to take a step back, 85% of all charitable giving according to recent research is done based almost entirely upon some kind of an emotional uh, impulse, whether it's a friend, whether it's that Aunt Sadie had surgery here, or whatever it might be, that kind of a, a, an impulse. You know um, my Aunt Sadie. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the reality is that um, the encouraging news is that there still is that 15%, which is billions and billions of dollars, of people that are willing to consider... Um, the results of the work of the organization. And in fact, when surveys are done of donors, uh, they do say that the biggest reason, the, the most important thing to donors is the effectiveness of charities. So then why is it that 85% of the giving is based on motion? We think the reason is because, as it currently exists, there's a complete paucity of publicly available information for donors to look at that really looks at the results of the work of charities. And so that's, you know, that was one thing I didn't get to mention, Ted, which is the next move. We, I've told you about CN 2.0. Our next opportunity, the next thing we're planning to do to change our rating system is to go to CN 3.0, where we're going to begin to measure the quality of charities reporting on their results uh, for things. So, but uh, getting back to the, to the caller's question, my advice <clears throat> to anyone who's being asked to uh, donate in the, in the way you described is to tell the friend that let me just take a quick look because I think it's important for me to know a little bit about the charity. And if it turns out that it's not a charity or if it turns out that it has some questionable things going on, I think that uh, if it's a true friend, <laughs> they will understand if you don't feel that you're in a position to give, but that you want to give to an organization in the cause area that they care about. And perhaps you could even suggest another charity that might be in the same space that's highly rated, for example, by Charity Navigator or one of one of the other organizations and educate your friend uh, on giving to the cause they care about but in a more results-oriented way. Very good well, question, Mark. Do you have a follow-up for Timber? Uh, no, I just, I'd just uh, like to hear more about this results stuff one of these days, but um, you know, that's a, that's a whole different subject. Well, that's great. Uh, well, we will certainly have Ken back here on the show when uh, when that gets announced. Uh, Mark, thank you for being our guest here on the uh, the Nonprofit Couch. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, that's a, a very thought-provoking uh, question. We're going to take a, a real quick break here, uh, Ken. Uh, when we uh, come back, um, I wanted to uh, ask you to share a little bit about the landscape of uh, these rating agencies like your own um, and, uh, and reflect a little bit on what the future may bring uh, for rating agencies and the importance and giving, and we'll be uh, we'll be right back with uh, uh, following this uh, important note on how to help your organization become even more effective. Every day, millions of people are online, many of whom want to help, volunteer, and donate to a good cause. Nonprofit organizations can use many Google tools to reach potential donors around the world and raise more money. And as an approved nonprofit, it doesn't cost a thing. It's all free. Google Grants helps you promote your website with free advertising on Google.com through the AdWords program. With Google AdWords, you create ads and choose words or phrases related to your nonprofit organization. When people search on Google using one of your phrases, your ad will appear next to the Google search results under the Sponsored Links section. AdWords allows you to target certain geographic areas, dates, and times of day for your ads to appear. YouTube for Nonprofits is another tool that can boost donations to your organization. The program offers a number of perks that get your message out there and drive viewers to take action and donate. You can list your organization on YouTube's nonprofit channel and add call to action overlays on your videos to drive viewers to donate. Need help analyzing your website traffic and marketing effectiveness? Google Analytics is a free tool that will give you rich insight and help you increase the number of people that visit and donate to your site. 
Google Analytics can be invaluable to many people in your organization, such as development directors, marketing staff, and your web team. There are many other tools that can help you reach more donors and raise funds, like Google Checkout, where you can process credit card donations with no transaction fee, Google Sites to create a free website, and Website Optimizer, where you can figure out the best landing pages to turn site visitors into donors. To get started, apply for Google for Nonprofits today. And uh, we're back here on uh, The Nonprofit Coach with Ken Berger, President and CEO of Charity Navigator. What does the landscape look like that uh, that your services exist in? Well, you know, um, the other, uh, what you might call intermediary for information uh, on charities that's most well known as GuideStar. And GuideStar and Charity Navigator have around the same number of uh, visitors each year. Um, but GuideStar's model has always been, you know, at least up till recently, we provide the information you decide. And unlike what some people think, they have not been a rating organization. Uh, recently, however, they've begun to pull information from uh, um, a number of rating-type organizations. They have a page called Take Action, where groups like Great Nonprofits and GiveWell uh, and a few others are providing information, and in addition, they, they acquired a group called Philanthropedia about a year ago. And the way that Philanthropedia works is they have experts that review charities. There's no, there's no standard methodology, but uh, they'll ask what they consider to be a group of experts, which charities do you recommend? And then great nonprofits, which we are in collaboration with as well, is sort of crowdsourcing where anybody can do a review of a charity. Uh, so that's another uh, – uh, trend. The the other, of course, uh, most well-known group in the rating space is the Better Business Bureau. And the difference between us and the Better Business Bureau, a uh, couple things. One is they sort of have a pass-fail system where they have a set of standards, and if a charity meets all the standards, then they are, you know, they they meet their criteria or they don't. And in and also the other difference is whereas we're completely free, we don't charge anything to charities or to our users, and we provide our seal to charities for free, the Better Business Bureau does charge a fee if a charity wants to use their seal. And then there are, you know, these other groups, Root Cause and GiveWell, sort of do a drill-down, really detailed analysis that really actually gets into this area of results um, in a much more intensive way. But with each of these different rating services, there's a there's a continual challenge of finding the sweet what we consider the sweet spot between scale, the number of charities you rate, and depth. So GiveWell and RootCause rate very few charities, whereas um, ourselves and uh, great nonprofits, um, which don't have that same level of depth, uh, rate many more organizations. Our hope for the future, to finally to wrap up the answer to your question. And one of the, we have uh, plans beyond rating uh, reporting results, but ultimately our, we would like to aggregate information from these other rating agencies and even uh, possibly embed uh, their information into our score. So, for example, if a charity is reviewed by root cause, which we think has tremendous uh, analysis, uh, that we would credit that organization in their rating by us. In fact, we might even give them a higher rating than we normally would because of the depth of analysis that root cause would conduct. Whereas if a charity is rated by great nonprofits, which is crowdsourcing, it might ha not have any effect on our rating of the organization because a charity is not a restaurant. However, if there are thousands and thousands of reviews on great nonprofits, if it gets to that degree someday, then perhaps it can have some wading into our rating system in the future. Right, right. And I'll, I'll take the – I know it's not the area that you work within, but I'll take the opportunity to just share that uh, uh, Cap America here right at capamerica.org maintains uh, a list of over 2,000 international charities that have met our standard uh, vetting against 100 uh, individual steps for our vetting process who have met that, who are, are now able uh, to receive gifts from Americans and receive a tax deduction, having met that, uh, the protocol established here at mm. CAP America. Now, that's international charity, so that's not uh, part of your rating system. Ken, uh, um, today has really been about celebration, but it's been about uh, um, looking forward as well. 
Tell us a little bit about the uh, the celebration piece of this 10th anniversary uh, over at uh, Charity Navigator. Well, we um, we actually have um, uh, a webinar uh, coming up tomorrow uh, for and anyone is. Uh, free to sign up for it and it's about the uh, top 10 things you should know about uh, charity navigator and uh, uh there there are two uh scheduled webinars tomorrow for east and west coast uh users so you just go to our website and you can sign up for that uh we also have a, a video coming out in a few days where groups like nurse family partnership and dc central kitchen and some of the other highly rated charities uh are going to be speaking and wishing us a happy birthday along with people like Craig Newmark of Craig's List. Uh, we also now, Ken, are, nobody's going to have as good a song as I had for you today. That's true, and I, 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 I was blowing out the candles while, you were, while it was playing. It was fantastic. <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> I see right on your website, just for folks, uh, that you've got the Join the Webinar sign up now uh, right about mid-page on, uh, on your website, so they can follow the link at, at tedhart.com and uh, get right there. Yes, and, and one other thing, if you go to that page, you'll also see an article that Craig Newmark and I wrote together, which talks about the 10th anniversary, and where we've been and where we're headed, uh, if you'd like more information about that. Yeah, um, yeah, and Craig, that's, that's an interesting story, because uh, Craig has closed the uh, Craigslist Foundation, is that correct? Yes, but uh, at the same time, he's uh, going to continue his philanthropy as an individual, Okay. Okay. Well, that's terrific. That's very. He's he certainly uh, got a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, information down to smaller charities. And of course, that's always an interest that I have is is how can we get best practices to smaller nonprofits, a, a, as you said, who always struggle with uh, finding good volunteer leadership and knowledgeable volunteer leadership. And and I I always come from the point of view that you know board members always want to do the best job, but they don't always necessarily know what that job is. Um, so mistakes can be made. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Um, so, uh, again, looking at the tips and resources that you have, you have so many different uh, places for people to get information. And, that, and it always, uh, whenever I come to your website, it always occurs to me that while, of course, your focus is the donors, so are the charities who are the focus of this show. Um, and so there are so many different things that they can learn from you in terms of what charities are, or what donors are being advised, and they can turn that back on themselves and see, you know, would I rate highly uh, against these things that are being recommended? Yeah, well, you know, one thing I would recommend for any anybody uh, who's running a charity that perhaps is not rated by Charity Navigator is if you go to the homepage and, we're, and the search engine, and if you type in XYZ for the name of the charity, what will happen is it will take you to a page that says we don't rate this charity, but it will also, uh, you'll see it says, read our tips for conducting your own due diligence. That's one of the links that you can get to. And so if you go there, it will sort of walk you through our rating system and the elements of our rating system. So as an exercise uh, for things that you um, might want to uh, take a look at, um, we, we, you know, we would strongly uh, recommend that. And then also, even better, uh, you can click on our methodology section, and it literally will go point by point through everything that we consider. And then finally, as, as you've well said, there's all kinds of other information on the website we haven't had a chance to cover, but um, would, uh, would also be available and hopefully helpful to people. That's terrific. Ken, I just want to remind uh, listeners there is no live show next April or next uh, Tuesday on April 24th as we normally would be here for the nonprofit uh, coach. So that's a great day uh, to catch up on podcasts. Over 80 podcasts now available at tedhart.com, of course, always free of charge. Uh, the next live show here on the nonprofit coach is on May 1. Norm Olshansky will be here uh, with his new book, You and Your Nonprofit. And, of course, Ken, you heard me uh, mention that Pat Pasquale, one of the top most popular guests here on The Nonprofit Coach, will be back with us talking about grant writing on May 8th, and she's from the Foundation Center. Uh, wrap us up here today. Let uh, my listeners know how they can reach you, Ken Berger, President and CEO of Charity Navigator. Well, my my web address, my web email address is kberger at charitynavigator.org. That's terrific. Ken Berger, uh, thank you so much. All the best on another 
uh, successful 10 years ahead of you uh, for Charity Navigator, and a strong happy birthday to everybody over at Charity Navigator. Well, thank you, Ted, and thank you for this opportunity and the great work that you're doing. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.